0: All right, well, you can have your seats and go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles tonight to Psalms 144, Psalms 144. Tonight we want to, uh, this series that we'll start, it'll be a couple of weeks, we'll spend a couple of weeks here, um, but it's really a spinoff of the teaching that we've just concluded where we were talking about living in faithful expectancy, living in faithful expectancy. And so, tonight we want to start talking about enemies of faithful expectancy, enemies of faithful expectancy. We define faithful expectancy as remaining hopeful through disappointment, through setbacks, and hopelessness until there is manifestation Of one's expected desire. Uh, The objective of this series tonight that we're starting is to get us to that place of faithful expectancy, moving us into that that place. As I thought about this, uh, living in faithful expectancy, and so uh, the idea is any place you're going to live, before you can live there, you have to get there first. And so, when we talked about living in faithful expectancy, there are a lot of believers, a lot of people who just never get to that place of faithful expectancy, therefore making it impossible to live there if you cannot get there. So, I believe that there are enemies. There are things that the enemy will use. There are things that the devil will will set up that will keep you and I from getting to that place of faithful expectancy. A lot of people, they never see the Uh, the manifestation of their uh, desire, of the things that they expect, the things that they believe God for because of these enemies that we'll talk about tonight that I believe are very key in keeping us from getting to that place. One thing for sure, uh, we know that, you know, walking in the will of God and and having the promises of God and the things that God has promised us, things that He's spoken into our lives, we know these things are just not automatically just going to going to happen and come to pass. We know uh, that we're going to have to press in. We know that we're going to have to, through diligence, uh, through commitment, and all of these things, we're going to have to set our mind. We're going to have to take authority over the thoughts of our mind and and casting down strongholds and imaginations and so on and so forth. All of these things we're going to have to do. We're going to have to be consistent. Uh, We're going to have to hold fast to our confession and our profession of faith without wavering, being convinced that God is faithful. Uh, The Bible says that God's not a man that he should lie, nor the Son of Man that he should repent or change his mind. And so while God never changes his mind, many times uh, because of the pressure that can be applied, uh, we can change our mind about what we are believing God for and even begin to pull back. And that's why the Bible says we ought to always pray so we don't faint. Uh, because it's real easy to faint and give up and cave in and throw in the towel and, and so on and so forth. And so getting to that place so I, can, so I can live there. And so I believe that there are some enemies, and we'll look at, look at them tonight. I'll give you what they are in just a moment. Uh, but these things are designed to keep you from getting to that place of faithful expectancy, where I am holding my course, where I am being steadfast in what I'm believing for, And what God has said or what He has promised or whether I've seen something in the Word or I heard a preach word or something was prophesied, proclaimed over my life, whatever the case may be, uh, it's going to be a fight to lay hold of those things, amen? And so, I believe that God has a plan and God has a strategy whereby we can get to this place of faithful expectancy. Once I'm in the place of faithful expectancy, I can remain hopeful despite the setbacks, uh, despite uh, the disappointments, uh, despite all the things that will try to challenge me, and I can be steadfast and expect my desire to come to pass once I'm in that place. But I want to back up and just find out how do we get to that place and what is it that's trying to stop me from getting there. Amen? Look at verse number one. Verse number one says… Blessed be the Lord my strength, who teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Who teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Uh, The complete, um, uh, the contemporary English version of that verse says, I praise you, Lord, you are my mighty rock, and you teach me how to fight my battles. You teach me how to fight my battles. And how many know we're going to be faced with battles? And how many know we're going to be confronted with, with difficulties, with, with, with times of war in our own life? But God is going to teach us. Say, God is teaching me how to battle. God is me how to battle. Say, he's teaching my hands to war. He's my hands to war. And he's training, my he's training my fingers. The Living Bible says it like this, the New Living Translation. It says, praise the Lord who is my rock. Now, when it talks about God being our rock, it's actually saying that God is our strength. Say, God is my strength. strength. Say it again. God is my strength. strength. So, when I think about God teaching me to war and God teaching me to battle, uh, God is not expecting you and I to go to war and go to battle on our own strength. Thank God for that. Uh, But He's going to strengthen us. He is is our strength. He is our rock. He is our strength. Fortress, He is the mighty power in our lives, and that's why the Bible encourages us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Might is the ability to do anything. So, as long as God is our strength, we have then the ability to do anything. So, he says, praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. Amen. So, what is this this passage really saying? You can sum it up like this. God, who is our strength, he gives us power or the means to encounter, and he equips my fingers to seize. This word seize, it means to grasp or lay hold on. To grasp or lay hold on. Normally, when you grab something, you grab it with your fingers, you grab it with your hands. And so, God says that He's going to teach our hands to war, and He's going to train our fingers to fight. Amen. Amen. So, when we talk about war, when we talk about battle, we talk about fighting, the obvious is that there are enemies. Uh, there are enemies, there are opponents, there are adversaries that would oppose us. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, God teaches our hands to war, and he trains our fingers to fight. Now, I want to show you that when the Scripture talks about God teaching our hands to war and our fingers to battle or to fight, he's not talking about physical hands. He's not talking about uh, our natural hands. He's not talking about anything that has anything to do with the flesh. It's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about bodily features. Uh, fingers and hands. That's not what he's talking about. And so, we want to get an understanding of what he's talking about. So, when he said he's going to teach us, we'll know the area that he's he's targeting. Uh, He cannot, we know, be talking about bodily features because the battle and the fight which we are engaged in is not physical. It's not natural. If it were, then our warfare would be reduced down to flesh and blood, uh, carnality of fleshly things. Amen. Look at verse number 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 10. Repeat after me. Say, God, God, you're teaching my hands to to war. war. You're training my fingers fingers to fight. fight. Say, God is teaching me me to war, war, and he's training me to fight. fight. Say, I am being taught taught and prepared for war. war. I I am being trained to fight. Now, if we know that to be true, because all of us are in war, we're all in battle, we're all having to fight against something, uh, then, then it, it amazes me how many believers, when, when it's time to go to war, when it's time to go to battle, when it's time to fight, uh, we behave as if we've not been trained. Or we behave as, not, as like we've not been taught and prepared for war, and prepared for battle. So look at verse number three. Verse number three says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. You see that? So then we know again, I just want to say it again, that when he talks about teaching my hands and training my fingers, he's not talking about the flesh. Because it says right here in this New Testament passage, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not carnal. What does that mean? They're not fleshy, or they're not bodily, or they're not things that pertain to the body. They're not things that pertain to the body. He says, they're not carnal, but mighty through God, powerful or made possible through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge or the wisdom of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Well, we know now if we don't pull down strongholds, cast down the imaginations, and, and all these high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God, then we know we're not gonna be able to get to that place where we're living in faithful expectancy. Mm-hmm. But I believe that, uh, so, so as God teaches us to do war, and as God trains us to use our fingers, and we'll find out what he's talking about, trains us to use our fingers then we're going to have to constantly be dealing with this passage of Scripture where we're constantly pulling down strongholds, we're casting down imaginations, and we're, carrying down every, we're pulling down every high thing that tries to exalt itself against the Word of God. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter number 6. Again, I want to show you that God teaching your hands to war and God training your fingers to fight is not talking about the flesh. Amen. Because if it were, then only those with, you know, with strong hands, as it were, whatever that means, only those with strong hands, only those with, you know, with, a, with, with good grip, a strong grip, only those would be the ones who would, who would win in battle. Uh, but we know that's not true. He's not talking about fleshly things. Amen? But he's talking about spiritual things. All right, Ephesians 6 and verse number 10. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord. Now, notice where your strength has to be. Where? In the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Might is the ability to do anything. Say, God is my strength. God is my strength. He says in verse number 11, he's telling us here, he says, put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the tricks, the schemes, the strategies of the devil. Verse number 12, for we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. See, that is right there. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your hands are what? Flesh and blood. Your fingers are what? Flesh and blood. If we wrestle not against flesh and blood, then that means we don't use anything that has anything to do with flesh and blood. Now, if we were wrestling in the natural, we would use flesh and blood. You would use these hands. If you was wrestling somebody or fighting someone in the natural, these hands, these fingers, would be very instrumental in that battle. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Well, but we don't fight, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against flesh and blood. So if we're not fighting against flesh and blood, we don't use these utensils as they were that's connected to the physical body. Amen. Yeah. All right. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Well, what are we wrestling against? Because we wrestle. We wrestle, but not against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle. And so if these hands and fingers are for flesh and blood, then there has to be something else that he's talking about teaching me to do with another kind of hand or another type of finger so that I can be successful in that battle and in the things that I wrestle with. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, against what? Powers, what else? Rulers of the darkness of this world against what? Spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Wherefore, he says in 13, the same thing he said in 11. Again, he says, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And we all have an evil day that's coming. You have an evil day that's coming. I have an evil day that's coming. Watch this. And these hands, these physical hands and these figures, physical fingers have nothing at all to do with your evil day that's coming. That's right. Nothing at all to do with the evil day that's coming. So you can strengthen these. You can get them strong and healthy, and praise God for that, and you can have a nice grip, but it, ha- it has nothing at all to do with, uh, with the evil day that's coming your way. God's teaching you to do war, and it has nothing at all to do with these hands. He's training you to fight, and it has nothing to do with these hands. God's trying to make you a trained Fighter, so you can win. So you can overcome. So you can triumph. Amen? Now watch this. Now, <clears throat> he says, so you'll be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, that's the word of God, uh, having on the breastplate of righteousness, that's being secure and protected in who you are as the righteousness of God having your, sheet, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. In verse 18, always connect verse 18, praying always. See, don't, don't talk about the armor, because prayer is a part of the armor. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance, and supplication for all saints. Say, he teaches, he teaches my hands to war. Say, He equips my fingers to fight. He my fingers to fight. <clears throat> now, so go back now to the foundational passage, Psalms 144 and verse number one. Psalms 144 and verse number one. Let's, let's get an understanding here of what He's talking about. Verse one says, What? It says, Blessed be the Lord, my strength. Which, come on, teacheth my hands to war. Teacheth my hands to war. Now, uh, when he talks about teaching my hands to war, now, this word hands here, it's a Hebrew word, yod, and it means power. Say power. Power. Uh, Say the the means of. So when he says he teaches, my hands to war, he's saying that he gives you the power necessary for war. He gives you the power. God's going to, so God is not expecting me to go to war in my own power. He's not expecting me to confront what I need to confront in my life with my own power. He gives me the power. He teaches my hands to war, or he gives me the power. This word war, it means encounter. He gives me the power to encounter whatever it is I need to encounter. He gives me the power to combat whatever it is I need to combat, because there's something you're going to have to combat. There's something you're going to have to deal with. There is something that is opposing you, and God, because he's faithful, he gives us the power so we can stand and withstand and continue to stand. He's going to give us the power. And that's why Hebrews 6 starts out by saying verse 10 starts out saying be strong in the Lord. And in the power not of your might, but of his might. Not in the power of your money, not in the power of your education, not in the power of your connections, not in the power of nothing natural. Nothing in the physical realm, but in the power of his might. God, he empowers you. He gives you the power or he gives you the means of strength so you can encounter, you can do combat. Amen? The devil's in trouble because, see, when we we confront the enemy, we're not confronting him in our power. We're not confronting him in our strength. We're confronting him in God's power. God's power. Amen. So it says he 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 teaches my hands to war, and he trains or equips my fingers to fight. He equips my fingers to fight. Here it is. Or uh, he gives us the skills. The skills. He gives us the skills to fight. Now, let's look in uh, Hebrews chapter 5. He gives us the skill. I want you to be a skilled fighter. I don't want you out there just swinging. You know how in high school, in, in school, how they, how they just just swing. No, you, <laughs> you, you're gonna you're gonna be skilled. You're gonna be a skilled fighter. Amen. Your hands are gonna you know become in the spirit. They're gonna become like weapons because you're going to be a trained fighter, a skilled fighter. You're going to know how to fight. When the devil attacks or when he launches his attack, when he attacks your family, you're going to know how to fight because you're going to be a trained fighter. You're not going to be a street fighter. You're going to be a trained fighter, a professional fighter in the things of God. And so, and so you know, be, being, being trained, in the spirit of being trained in the things of God, and a lot of people are trained in a whole lot of things. But it's, it's interesting how we don't spend the time necessary or invest the time necessary to become trained in the things of God. Amen. There are many of you, you employ somewhere, and, and perhaps throughout the year, uh, you know, there's so much training you got to have. Amen. Continued education, always being trained because things are always changing and you got to stay on top of your game. Amen. And so you're always always training, even when you start a job. And before you start, you know, that's, that's training you may have to go through. And you look forward to training. But then when it comes to the things of God, if we're not careful, we'll despise training. Just want to be out there all willy-nilly. But you need to be trained in the things God. need to be trained in the Word of God. Got to be trained. Got to know what scripture I need at this time, what confession I need to be making at this time, what prayer I need to be praying at this time. Do I need to be praying the prayer of agreement? Do I need to be praying the prayer of praise and worship? Do I need to be binding? Do I need to be loosened? Do I need to be speaking? Do I need to be praying? You need to be trained so you would know exactly what to do when the enemy launches his attack because he's coming. You got an evil day coming. Well, I don't receive that. You ain't got to receive this right there in the Word of God. You, got, you, you have an evil day coming, and, and, and if you're not trained, Amen. if you've not been properly trained, then the devil, he can overcome you. Amen? Amen. You got to be skilled. Your hands got to be skilled. Amen. All right, look what he says in, Hebrews chapter five and verse thirteen. You gotta be trained. You gotta be trained so the rain don't stop you. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be trained. You, you can't be in the army talking about this rain, uh, uh, saw it just raining. To <laughs> get out there and hit that hill, <laughs> right? Come on now, you gotta be trained. You got, you got, you gotta, you, you gotta know how. You got to know how to function under all circumstances. And y'all ain't hear what I said. You gotta know, you gotta know how to do war in any conditions. The devil will attack you in the snow. You got to know what to do. Hey Amen. He don't just come when the sun is shining. And you gotta be trained and, and ready. Alright, watch this in, in verse number 13 of Hebrews. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful. Now, this word unskillful, it means inexperienced. Inexperienced in the word of righteousness. Word of righteousness. Our righteousness is in God and what God says about us, what the word of God says about us. And he says, "If if I'm still on milk, then he says, I'm, I'm unskillful. I am inexperienced. How does a person, how does a person be inexperienced? Huh? They, they, they've not had experience in something, right? If you've not had experience in something, that means you're inexperienced, right? Watch this though. The Scripture said, now this is verse number 13. I think it's verse 11 or verse 12. One of them, they can put it up. But I think verse 12 says that by this time, okay, for, for when, put it back up, verse 12, thank you. For when, for the time ye ought to be, that, that you, you've been in it long enough to be, and, and by this time you ought to be teaching. But, but I find it necessary for somebody to have to still teach you the very first principles and oracles of the things of God. And he says, and because of your your lack of experience with the word, you're you're unskillful with the word of God, therefore you still have to have milk. You're not prepared for meat. And by this time, you ought to be off the bottle. So if he says, by this time you ought to be, that also means by this time you ought not to be. By this time, you ought not be complaining about that. By this time by this time you ought not be talking that negative by this time all that doubt and that unbelief ought not be coming out of your mouth by this time all that vulgarity vulgarity should not be coming out of your mouth by this time you've been in long enough but here's the thing you've never been trained in the Word of God and that's why even as a adult in the things of God, even though you've been in the things of God a long time, but because you never got trained and you're unskillful in the word, you still own milk. I'm not, I want, I want, you know, as I look down this row, as I look down this road, I wonder, in the spirit, how many people sitting up here with a bottle in their mouth? See, you wouldn't think nothing of it if a, if a child, if a baby, had a bottle in their mouth. Right. But I wonder how many people, on, as I look down the road, how, how many people in the spirit actually sitting up here, you know, with a bottle in their mouth, sitting here drinking milk? Got I think I smell some simulacrum. <laughs> <laughs> By this time, I mean, how long, how long have you been in the things of God? And you're unskillful in the work. Never been trained in the work. Now trained in church, you know church protocol. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to get up when you get up, you know, you stick that hand up. See, that's that's church that's church protocol. You know, you stick that thing up. I don't know what I don't even know what that finger is. You don't even know what it means. You just seen everybody else doing. It. So so you stick it up. What it mean? It's respect? Okay. You stick that thing up. While I'm talking, you stick that thing up. <laughs> see trained in church protocol trained in church know not to chew gum in church you ought not be chewing gum in church amen and you sure don't stick it under our seat see trained in the things of God you know not to talk you know just, just you know trained in church but are you trained in the word are you skilled in the word Do you have control over your tongue? Amen. Can you control your attitude? Or are you controlled by your attitude? Amen. Do you forgive those who are even unforgivable, you may think? Or are you only kind to those who are kind to you? Do you love your... By this time, you ought to be. Walking in the Word, walking in love. By this time, you ought to be able to praise God in spite of what you're going through. By this time, but since you're not, it's obvious you're unskilled in the Word. And so, therefore, you have to have milk. That's what you give babies, milk. Just something they can just drink. It just goes right down. They don't have to chew it. Anything you have to chew, you can't handle it. See, you have to give them milk. You don't chew milk. You never see milk about drink water, or milk, and sit there But that meat, stuff you have to chew on, it's tough. You sit there, because you got to break it down. You just can't swallow that. Man, I got to think about that. Ooh, Jesus. Man, you mean I can't have sex no more till I get married? Mmm. Mm. mm. I mean, you're chewing, man. got a big chunk in your mouth. <laughs> ask your neighbor. Say, say, you got a bottle in your mouth? Come on, ask them. Say, you have a bottle in your mouth? Ask them what they have on the pamp. Say, you got a pamp on? <laughs> and, and babe, you know, babies don't get their way. They, they cry. They cry. You know, they had tantrums, and they don't feel better. Somebody come pick them up, then they stop crying. Somebody come pick them up. Somebody come rub on them, encourage them, then they stop crying. And you got to sit there and hold them. For everyone, everyone, he said, everyone that uses milk is unskillful, inexperienced in the word. This word, word here, it means logos. Logos, which means the written Word of God, unskillful in the written Word of God. You will always be inexperienced in the written Word of God if you don't pick up the written Word of God and read the Word of God. You'll be unskillful in it if you don't handle the Word of God. Amen? So there are enemies of faithful expectancy. Let me go ahead and give you these these five enemies, and we'll cover these uh, during this portion of the teaching, five enemies of faithful expectancy. Number one, lack of faith. Lack of faith. Number two, lack of strength. Lack of strength. It takes strength to endure. It takes strength to be able to, to be in warfare. Number three is lack of of understanding, lack of understanding. Number four, lack of fellowship with God. Lack of fellowship with God. It's gonna be difficult to walk with God and not have fellowship with God. Lack of fellowship with God. These are the enemies that keep me from living. If I'm going to, is it a, if it, is it a fair statement? If I'm going to live. In Chicago, I have to get there first. Right? So, if you're going to live in faithful expectancy, you have to get there first. And there are some things that are trying to block us from getting to faithful expectancy. And then, number five is lack of commitment. Lack of commitment. Let's look at this first one. Let's start looking at the first one, lack of faith. Say lack of faith. Having faith is being fully confident, fully persuaded, or fully convinced of the covenant that you have with God. It's a deep, settled, consistent, ongoing confidence in who God is, what God has said, and what provisions he have made he has made. Faith in God and in his guidance will sustain you through every challenge of life. Faith not understood cannot be used to its full, full capacity and full potential. Now let's go to First Timothy chapter six and verse number twelve. Lack of faith. The first enemy. Uh, of faithful expectancy is lack of faith. Lack of faith. Faith is so important to the believer. Faith is God's prescription for life. It is what God has prescribed for the believer. That's his prescription. He, he's given us this prescription and then instructed us to live by it. We live by faith. Say that. <clears throat> Say it again. Uh, Scripture upon Scripture, uh, Habakkuk 2.4 says, the just shall live by faith. Um, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the just shall live by faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3, verse number 11, the just shall live by faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. 1 John 5 and 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith is how we overcome. Galatians 3 verse 13 lets us know that the promises of God are received by faith. Hebrews 11 verse number 6, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But then it says that without faith it is what? Impossible to what? To please God. You can't even please God without faith. Amen. Faith is important. Galatians 2 and verse number 20, the apostle Paul said, he says, uh, the life I live now in the flesh, I live that life by the faith of the Son of God. Amen. So we're to live. That's what God, that's the prescription that God has given for the believer to live. He wrote out the prescription and said, now live by that. We live by faith. We live by his faith. Jesus said, have faith in God. Amen? So faith is important. Jesus said to the woman who had the issue of blood, he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Jesus says to a blind man, according to your faith be it unto you. So faith is important in the life of the believer. Faith gets God's attention. God rewards faith. Those men who, who, who took that man who was paralyzed on that cat and, and, and they took him up on the roof and they, they removed the tile on that roof and let him down. And the Bible said Jesus looked up and when he saw their faith. So faith is important. It's very important. Faith is not a magic wand. It's not just something you just wave. It's not, it's not three scriptures you quote and then everything's going to change. That's not how faith works. There is a process to faith. We walk by faith, which means we pattern our lives step by step. It is a process. But one thing for sure, if we stand in faith and continue to stand in faith and don't draw back as the Scripture said, we will have what God has promised us and what he said. And every situation you're going through, it will change. It may not change tomorrow, it may not change next week, it may not change next month, but it will change. But the first thing, when you're in faith, it's gonna start changing you first. You'll have a different attitude, a different outlook, a different viewpoint, you'll see things different. You're gonna stop looking at life from the outside, you're gonna start looking at life from the inside. Amen. Say, I live by faith. Say it again, I live by faith. And so you got to be committed to the faith process. And there are going to be times that look like faith is not working. When it looked like the Word's not working. When it looked like this thing is never going to turn. When it looked like it's not working in your faith. You're going to go through those times. But you got to stay in faith. And if you stay in faith, you will see the end of your faith. Faith has a beginning. Faith has an end. And a lot of people who start in faith... They never get to see the end of their faith because they won't remain in faith. Amen. Amen. Say it again, I live by faith. faith. So it matters not what my eyes see. I don't walk by what my eyes see. I walk by faith. Amen? Amen. So a lack of faith. You at 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 7. I mean verse number 12, excuse me. Watch this. Fight what? The good fight. the good fight of faith. Now, l- l- let, me ask you, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Now, in, in the natural, in the natural, when you fight, what's something you use to fight with? Your hands. Them things, right? They're called things. The Them things, right? <laughs> so your hands, right? Your hand. Now, he says fight the good fight of faith. So whatever these hands are, that God said he's going to teach us to war with. Now, this is going to come in play here. You're going to see this. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Now, I'm not using my physical hands. I'm not using my physical fingers. He says, fight the good fight of faith. So, faith is a fight. That means someone is trying to keep you from what your faith can produce. He says, fight... The good fight of faith, fight this fight. The fight of faith, you're gonna to have to fight the fight of faith. The fight, the fight of faith, the walk of faith is not, it's not a walk in the park. If it were a walk in the park, there'd be more people in the park walking. <laughs> Fighting the fight of faith, that means, it, it has nothing to do with anything in the natural. You're solely fighting by what this Word says. Amen. You're staking everything on what the Word of God said. But now watch this. He says, fight the fight of faith. What's the next part? Lay hold on. Lay hold on. Lay hold on. Get a grip on. Lay hold on. Now your finger's coming in. Fight the fight of faith. L- lay hold. Anything in that. If, if, if you're going to lay hold on your person, you got to use your fingers to lay hold on it, to lay hold on it. Now, what he's telling us to do, you got to fight the fight of faith and you got to get a good grip on what you believe in God for. You got to have a strong grip on what you believe in God for and refuse to turn it loose. Refuse to let anything pry your fingers away from what you believe in God for. Lay hold on it. You, once you lay hold on it, don't let go. No matter what happens, no matter what the report is, no matter what they say, no matter how they laugh, no matter how they post, no matter how they tweet, you hold on and you lay hold. You, fight, you keep fighting the fight of faith and laying hold on what God promised you. That's your healing. Lay hold on it and don't let it go. See, see, he's teaching your hands to to, to war, you're gonna have to use your spiritual hand, your, your faith. You got to use your faith to lay hold. Notice when we fight, that's when we lay hold. When I'm fighting, I'm laying hold on something, I'm, lay, I'm laying hold on my healing. I'm laying hold on my prospect. I'm laying hold on my joy. I'm laying hold on my peace. I'm laying hold on my salvation. I'm laying hold on my deliverance for my children. I'm laying hold, and it doesn't matter what happened and how bad it hurt and how, how much longer I got hold. Even if I got to get another grip, I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to let go. I'm going to lay hold on what God promised me. See, that's how you fight the fight of faith. You're not fighting a fight, you know, holding and letting go, holding and letting go, you know, holding and releasing, hold, let it go, let it go. You know, now you don't have nothing in your hand. You had your hold on it, but then you, you let go. That's why the Bible said we got to give earnest heed to the things that we hear, lest at any time we let them slip. And how many of us, we have let